0: in the third week of our series on the book of Colossians. And I wanna invite you to open your Bibles to chapter three. We're going to explore the first 17 verses and then we'll finish the chapter next week. I also hope that you're having an opportunity to engage in the Colossians chapter challenge. We are reading one chapter of Colossians each week. And so this past week, we had the opportunity to be in chapter two all week long. And in fact, if you're on YouTube Live or if you're on Facebook Live, uh, just give a thumbs up emoji or let us know if you're able to engage in the chapter challenge right now. And also, I love to hear where you're watching from. We are watching from all over the place. So if, if you're in the chat there, go ahead and let us know where you're watching from. Now, just as a reminder, we are reading here in the book of Colossians, which is written by the Apostle Paul, who is writing from a prison cell in Rome. He's writing to a group of people uh, that he's likely never met and who live in a place where he's likely never been. But we see in Paul this fierce passion for the truth, the truth of who Jesus is. And there were false teachers that were devaluing the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. They were basically denying that he was God It's the kind of teaching that says Jesus is good, but he's not good enough. You need Jesus plus this practice, or you need Jesus plus this regulation, or this ritual. Jesus plus says, Jesus may have gotten you this far, but now it's up to you to do the rest. And Paul, he will have none of that. He knows that what we believe about Jesus matters greatly. So, he has spent the first two chapters telling us, Jesus is all. He is all you need because he is supreme over all powers and authorities, over all things that have been created for him. All things have been reconciled through him. He is over all of the church. He is over all angelic beings and cosmic powers. He is all the sacrifice we need for salvation and he is all sufficient for all of life, making his home in us, becoming our hope uh, in the present and future glory. And then in chapter three, he begins to make a turn. He's been telling us who Jesus is and now he wants to tell the Colossians who they are. So let's pick up right here in verse one. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Now, right there, we see already that Paul is speaking directly to those who at some point have received Christ. The first two chapters were for anybody, but now he turns his attention specifically to those he said in chapter two, those who were buried with him in baptism, that were also raised with him through faith. Now, if you're listening, maybe that's not you. I do wanna encourage you to lean in. I think this chapter we're looking at today is full of principles that will help you be better at life. But for those of you who have made Christ your life, the following Paul would say is non-negotiable. So, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, just in case you missed it, the first two chapters, Paul wants to remind us, Christ, King Jesus, he is seated at the right hand of God. That's who he is, that's where he is. And since you've been raised with him, since he is in you and you are in him, it just makes logical sense that your focus and attention will be where he is. He goes on to say, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. Now, Paul doesn't say set your hearts and minds on things above so that you'll be raised with Christ. He's already denounced that kind of thinking and teaching. He says, since you've been raised, This is his way of reminding them and us that this life in Christ is not of our power to live, but Christ is the source of life. He starts with Christ as the source of life, and then and only then does he move on to what obedient behavior of a Christ follower looks like, lived out. He goes on to say in verse 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, this is really good news for the one who is in Jesus. He says, you died. Now, not a physical death, obviously, but you died to the spiritual forces of this world. In Romans 6, he says, you died to sin. In Galatians 2, he talks about dying to the law. In other words, there is no power on this earth that has any power over you. So, so don't give it any power. Don't live as if it does. Your life is now hidden in Christ. That means your life is concealed. Others may not see your status in Christ. They may not understand it, but one day they will. But there's a second meaning to this being hidden in Christ. It also means that your life is secure. It's kept safe. Over these last weeks, it would be understandable that you've questioned whether or not you were safe. Maybe you're the medical professional or the first responder. The other day, one of our staff said that the prayer for his wife as she goes to work has changed. She's a medical professional. And now he said, no longer is it just that he prays that she'll have a good day. When she goes to work, he now prays that she will stay safe. Well, that's understandable because our safety here on earth, as we have found recently, is vulnerable to a lot of forces. But Paul says it's different for the Christian. Your life is hidden in Christ, and it's safe and secure now, because Christ reigns now. But he also reminds us of Christ's reign in the future. And here's the best part. When he returns, those whose lives have been hidden in Christ won't be hidden anymore. Friend, when He comes back, we get to be right in the middle of His glory. Paul says we will appear with Him in glory. No top billing for us. It's going to be all about Jesus, but we'll appear with Him. About eight years ago, when we still lived in Arkansas, Alicia won tickets from a radio station to see Keith Urban. Now, you have to understand, well, first of all, we've never won anything like that in our lives. And I love country music and she loves Keith Urban. And this is like the VIP package. They they pick us up in a limo. We're on the front row. But the most memorable thing that happened, happened during the, the pre-show backstage. He comes back and there's like two, 300 people packed into this room. And he's doing a, a Q&A. When my sweet usually quiet wife, stands up in the middle of the room and says, hey, do you ever sing with anyone? He says, yeah. Do you sing? And she says, no, but my husband does. Well, my heart starts pounding looking for the nearest exit. And somehow I end up on stage and someone shouts out a song and he's like, do you know it? And I'm trying to play it cool. But of course, I know every harmony part to every song he's ever done. So he starts singing, and I start singing with him. Now, I really, I really just think the crowd thought it was going to be so bad, and the bar was so low that once we finished the song, I kid you not, the place just went crazy. It was the coolest moment. And in the blink of an eye, I went from being a nobody in the crowd to somebody in his show. Uh, no doubt, it was still his show, but I was right in the middle of it. In our Colossians reading challenge this, this week, you'll be reading chapter three. If you could use the encouragement, can I just suggest that you just meditate on verses three and four? Because maybe you felt like a nobody, just another face in the crowd. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been overlooked. Maybe you've been ridiculed for your faith. There's coming a day, and it will happen in the blink of an eye when you will be called out of the crowd, your life has been hidden in Christ and everyone's going to see you shine. Now, let's be clear, it will still be Jesus' show. It's just that you will be right in the middle of it. And now, Paul says, in light of all that, in light of being raised with Christ now, and in light of appearing with him in the future, in light of all that, he gets very practical in verse 5. Let's look to see what he says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The Greek tense here, put to death, it implies immediate decisive action. Kill it. Do it now. Don't think about it, don't nurture your earthly nature, don't try to control it, don't try to tame it. Here's what you do, Paul says, you kill it. You put it to death. Now, Paul's made it clear, if you're in Christ, he's already put these things to death in your life. All you have to do now is live like it. Look and see what he reminds them in verse seven. You used to walk in these ways you have a renewed identity. Number one, a renewed identity. You're not who you were. Others may remind you, you may have to forgive yourself from time to time, but that girl, that guy, no longer exists. You used to walk in these ways, but now, you now have a new self, a new identity, being renewed daily by your Creator. And in light of that renewed identity in Christ, There are things in your old life that you no longer tolerate. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. You no longer tolerate these things in your life. A while back, I noticed the weeds beginning to come up in our yard. They they weren't terrible, but they were so much taller than the grass coming in, it was not a good look. So I asked one of my boys to go out and pull the weeds. He jumped right on it which I thought was a little odd. He finished much faster than I thought he would and so he was ready for me to come see his work. It was then that I realized what he had done. Instead of pulling the weeds, he cranked up the mower and just mowed them down to the height of the grass. He was so proud. I said, you didn't pull the weeds. And he said, I know, that would have taken forever. And and then he said, well, what difference does it make? It's all green. I mean, you can hardly tell that the weeds are there. I said, well, yes, but here's the problem. It may look good today, but the weeds will just keep coming back. And if the weed goes to seed, well, then it's just going to come back maybe even stronger. Some of you have given your life to Christ and still yet you're frustrated because you're still struggling with the same old things, having the same conversations with God. And some of that is because until Jesus comes back, we're all gonna struggle. Ask anyone, even people who have followed Jesus for a long time, we still struggle because we're not home yet. I struggle. I think, why did I do that? Why did I think that? There's. This is just part of our current brokenness. But some of us struggle because instead of letting Christ be our life. We, we try and modify our life just enough that it looks good for today. And, and we know how to do this. It's exhausting, but we know how to coddle sin in our life just enough that no one sees it. Or maybe we let this group see it, but not this group. My friend, that that's just no life at all. No amount of behavior modification or self-medication will ever give you the life that you're looking for. It's simply mowing over the weeds, and it will eventually choke out your soul until it until it withers. Paul says, put it to death. Don't maintain it. Don't tolerate it. Kill it. You ask, how do I do that? Well, you can't. But as you take on the character and the being of Christ, he can and he will. And here's what else I would say. If you've been mowing over the weeds, if you've, if you've been around Oak Hills for any length of time, you know that we believe the Christian life is a team sport. Life wasn't meant to be lived alone. Find your people. Online groups are available now. I, I would be hopeless without my people, filled with the Holy Spirit, helping guide me to follow Jesus moment by moment. As Paul goes on, He says you not only have a renewed identity, you can live with a renewed unity. Don't you long for unity in our world? Paul did. And through Christ he believed it was possible. As he says this in verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. If if Jesus isn't central in the lives of those who are part of the church, then racial reconciliation will fail. But if he is central, if he is our standard, then unity becomes a real possibility. In light of recent events and the unrest that we've all felt, I think it's safe to say that our country needs a change and has needed a change for a long time. This is a, a pivotal time It's a pivotal time in our culture and it's time for the church, with Christ as the head, to take the lead in setting the example in how we treat those who may be of a different race, background, or social class than we are. You see, when the church is unified, God is glorified, and a renewed unity is in reach. I heard about something that took place soon after slavery had ended. The ripple effect was still being felt throughout the South. And in a town, there was an African-American man who had fallen on hard times and had no food. But he heard of a wealthy white family who may be sympathetic to his plight. So he went to that house. He, He walked up the front steps on the porch and knocked on the door. A woman answered the door. And when she saw him, she glanced quickly to the neighbor's house on the right and and then to the one on the left. And then she whispered to the man, meet me on my back porch. And then abruptly closed the door. Well, dutifully, the man went around to the backyard, which was more secluded. The woman came out the back porch and handed him a, a, a basket of bread. She said to him, now, before you eat, we need to thank God for our food. And with that, the white woman said, repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. The Black man respectfully began to pray, your Father who art in heaven. She, she stopped him and said, no, no, now just repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. Again, he said, your Father who art in heaven. Well, exasperated, the woman said, why do you insist on saying your Father? And the man quietly replied, Well, ma'am, if he was our father, then that would make us brother and sister. And if we were brother and sister, you wouldn't have made me come around to your back door. Sometimes we do a good thing, but are we doing the best thing? Are we doing the most loving thing? This is what Paul says. Let's look at this in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul says the love of Christ makes possible a a unity we could never achieve on our own. Not only is it possible, but church, it's time. Finally, Paul ends this chapter by reminding us that we can have a renewed worship. He says this in verse 15. I love that. Whatever you do. You know, sometimes worship is teaching. Sometimes it's coming together to encourage each other. Sometimes it's singing from a heart of gratitude. And sometimes, sometimes it's whatever you do. Whatever you do, that is an expression of Jesus. The Jesus inside you as he is creating this inside-out change in you. You may be with your family right now or maybe even with your small group. Even if you're watching or listening alone, I wanna point you to our study guide to think about this question. How do we set our hearts and minds on things above as followers of Christ? If you're with your family or your small group, you may wanna take a moment to talk about that. I wanna I want remind you, you can text pray. We would love to pray for you. All you have to do is text pray to 210-585-2585. And speaking of setting our hearts and minds on things above, I want to remind you our reading challenge is chapter 3 this next week. Let's let the message of Christ dwell in us richly all week long. And now, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you go forth to love and serve. And We'll see you right back here next week. God bless you, my friends.